Yo, and welcome into week 10 of pre-gaming the SEC. Jacob Hester and Chris Doring back with you for another week of SEC football as we review and preview what we've seen in the Southeastern Conference. And we are getting on down the road again, week number 10. We're not only starting to figure out CD who is who, but we are starting to figure out who is a legit championship contender. And this weekend, certainly when we pregame the SEC later on, we are going to talk about a couple of games that probably are going to decide who's in Atlanta. Yeah, it feels that way, not only in our conference, but nationally as well. You're starting to see a little attrition. And uh, with the release of the college football playoff rankings, uh, you're kind of getting a, a view of what the uh, the 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 stretch run is going to look like. So it's exciting, particularly having the opportunity to have these matchups that are going to be so meaningful this week and determining not only the the Western Division champion, but the Eastern Division champion as well. You mentioned the college football playoff ranking, and we did get yesterday the initial CFP release there. Any surprises when it comes to the SEC teams? Obviously, Georgia's in that first four. Not a real surprise there. Now, there was some conversation if Oklahoma was undefeated, if Georgia maybe had a struggle against Florida, potentially they could see themselves on the outside looking in because of the resume. But after what they did, they're firmly right there coming in in that top four. I thought Georgia was higher than maybe, you know, any of us expected them to be. And I, I think at number two, it says to me that they really had a lot of respect for the way they went about winning that game against Florida. Um, their resume is still obviously not as strong as, as what Ohio State's is. And so I think the Buckeyes do deserve to be up at the top. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be there at the end of the season. And I don't necessarily think that they're one of the best three or four teams in the country. But the, yeah. their their work to this point in the season is deserving of having that number one spot. Um, you know, I, I think looking at Georgia, there couldn't be anybody that's – that the initial rankings are less relevant for than Georgia. We all know the stretch <laughs> right. that they're in right now. You know, they got one down. They got a huge one against Missouri this week. They got uh, Ole Miss coming to town. Then they go to, to uh, Neyland Stadium the following week. So I, I think that, that they, they control their own destiny for, for getting into the college football playoffs. Um, but I do think, you know, as you look around the rest of the country, I was surprised that Washington was at five. I think you and I both have, uh, Washington and the Pac-12 yeah. in the high regard. And I also think, you know, having Florida State teetering there on being on the outside is uh, interesting given the, the the resume that they have, you know, because I thought that they yeah. had some some really strong wins. And I know you go back, people look at Boston College and the, the near miss there, but they seem to be bit playing better uh, defensively of late too. So I, I, I was a little surprised that Florida State wasn't higher. Yeah, and Boston College is five and three after yeah. that. So actually, they're not the team that we thought they were in that moment. As we go around the SEC, we've mentioned UGA comes there at number two. I was surprised. Washington, you're telling me they've got the best win because Oregon is the highest ranked one loss team, but you still leave them on the outside looking in. So that was a surprise. But getting back to the SEC teams, you've got Alabama coming in at number eight. You've got Ole Miss coming in at number 10. You've got Mizzou at number 12. You've got LSU at number 14. You have Tennessee coming in at 17 and that rounds out the sec teams in the initial college football playoff ranking and so there's a couple of teams alabama and Ole miss not easy pass but they still have a path to get into that top four yeah no doubt about it i think you know i still expect uh the last four weeks of the regular season uh to have some surprise us upsets um you know this is a big week for 
for both Ole Miss and for Alabama, uh, with Alabama playing LSU and what that can do for the the chances of Ole Miss being involved in that three way tie potentially should LSU win. So um, I, I do think that uh, there is a path for each of those uh, one loss teams in the SEC. Uh, but they definitely will need a little bit of help, too, from some other folks that would need to uh, stumble th- along the way. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. If you're a first-time listener to pre-gaming the SEC, we always start with Hold My Beer. Then we get a last call from what we saw last week before we pre-game. You guessed it, the SEC. Big guest coming on today, tonight, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this as well. Tom Hart of ESPN will join us here in a couple of minutes. Excited to catch up with him. He is a Mizzou grad, so big week for Missouri as they take on the Georgia Bulldogs. And, CD, I hate to do this to you but how can i hold my beer not be the georgia bulldogs Mm -hmm. right we talked about some of their struggles we talked about some of the clunkiness they've had against south carolina and auburn and even against vanderbilt they you know score late there but 37 to 20 was the final there didn't look like a normal georgia performance but when they've gotten ready when they've gotten focused against kentucky and certainly against florida and i don't i don't even want to say focused because i feel like kirby always has his team focused and ready to go but anytime they start to hear chatter about somebody challenging them they have stepped up in a big way and i thought man 14 and a hook you're going to give me a hook with the way florida's playing and georgia it's been up it's been down to their standard and Florida scored first. I'm like, okay, here we go. Ball game. And then from that moment, Georgia left little doubt who the team that was going to be dominant there in Jacksonville was. Yeah, it, it's interesting because early in the season, we talked about some of the slow start and sluggishness of the the Georgia offense. But if you go back and look at you know, the biggest games or the ones where you felt like Georgia was finally going to be challenged by somebody, they come out extremely focused and they come out firing six. Uh, the, the first six possessions, they had the ball against Kentucky. They scored on all six of them. Uh, the first four against Florida on Saturday, they scored on all four of them. Uh, so I, I, it kind of gives you a little prelude of what to expect when yeah. uh, Missouri rolls into town this week. But a- at the end of the day, uh, Georgia, to me, is just an incredibly... A talented group of players that's really well coached, that plays incredibly disciplined and unselfish football, and it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm a Florida guy, but just being able to appreciate um, things being done at the highest level and with great excellence, uh, it's fun to watch that team play. And I'm not just talking about the defense. It's fun to watch Carson Carson Beck going home back to Jacksonville. I thought he was going to have some nerves or some jitters playing in the first time for the first time in the cocktail party. And he was just absolutely precise as he's been all season long. I love watching his ball placement and his control of the offense. And um, you get the feeling that this was a a statement game for them. And where I, I was initially thinking that they were going to maybe stumble once during that four-game stretch, after what I saw on Saturday, I, I, I have no doubt that they're going to remain unscathed as they go through the rest of the regular season. All right, CD, so where are you passing your beer out to? Yeah, so uh, my uh, holding my beer here goes to. Well, you got to pass it too. I mean, yeah. just because you get you yeah. got to pass it to hold it. I mean, uh, you don't, you can throw it if you want to, but we don't no, like spillage here. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna pass it gently. Um, and and <laughs> and that it's gonna be the Tennessee uh offense. You know, because every week yeah. we talk about the their their ability to run the football. The number one rushing team heading into last week against Kentucky, they averaged two hundred and seventeen yards per yeah. game on the ground. 
going up against the tough run defense. And you know what they did against that tough run defense for Kentucky? Put up 252. Yeah. And you know this better than I do. Like, I really enjoy watching the orchestration of their run game and what they do and 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 all of the backside pullers and the way that they kick guys out and the holes that are created. It, it's really fun to kind of watch that whole thing play out when you're looking at the all 22 yeah. from the from the or excuse me, when you're looking at the end zone copy. Um, but it's it, uh, it's funny because along this way, what have we talked about? Oh, man, they're going to play Texas A&M. No way they run the ball against Texas A&M like that. Well, they run for yeah. over 200 in that one. Uh, same thing in, in this one, um, you know, same thing against Missouri. We or yeah, we talk about, uh, um, or not Missouri, excuse me. We talk about, uh, just the, the way that, that, that all of these defense line up with a challenge for Tennessee's, um, offense and, and they just continue to do what they do. And that's run the football right down your throat yeah. with, without having any say about it. The thing I love about Tennessee's offense when they decide to run the football, and we talked about this, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, everything's up, everything's available. So what I mean by that is, yes, they are a team that is going to live in 11 personnel a lot of the time, but their tight ends buy into everything as far as gap scheme and zone runs. They will run everything. It's not just so many times and certainly an offense that likes to go fast and they're going to spread you out. It's inside, outside zone, some variation of that. They're not going to run power and counter and stretch lead and different things but Tennessee everything is available and so CD if you're trying to stop the spread attack which they're not what they were a year ago in it but they still can do some damage that's what makes it so difficult and these running backs are reading it exactly how it needs to be read the offensive line is giving them the opportunity to really get going pushing the pile a couple of yards because like you get contacted in the backfield we've seen how that goes across the SEC but this offensive line is doing a really nice job of yards before contact and Look, they were a team that liked to throw it around last year with Hinn and Hooker and that uh, group of receivers they had. Well, this year they got to do it a different way, and they're certainly doing it, and at one of the highest levels. Yeah, with multiple different running backs that are able to to be interchangeable in that offense too. They set the tone. Yeah. Jalen Wright on that fifth play of the game goes fifty-two for the touchdown, and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the ball game. All right, for me as we go into last call, this one hurts. I had South Carolina being in the group of Tennessee, Kentucky, Mizzou, right underneath Georgia. And I look, man, you know me, I didn't have Florida in that group, and Florida's played much better, but I thought South Carolina was going to be firmly in that group, and they are so far from that group. They are 2-6 and six overall, 1-5 and five in conference play. You beat an FCS opponent, and you beat a bad Mississippi State team. Those are your only wins on the season. And I just I knew they lost some in the portal, Jordan Birch and other players. And you know, you lose your back to USC, the other USC, as we call it here in the SEC. And I thought, okay, well, it's okay because they've added Knox from Arkansas. They've kind of replaced some. And I know Jaheim Bell is very difficult to replace, but I thought they did, I thought they did enough in the portal to be able to be okay and be that team that I thought they were going to be, but they're not a distant cousin to that team. Hell, they're not related through marriage to the team that I thought they were going to be in this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's disappointing to see. Um, obviously it's the tough part about handicapping a season as you're kind of looking at the, the upcoming season in the preseason and, and uh, the injuries are, have just been decimating to, to South yeah. Carolina um, and at the, at the same positions over and over again, too. I mean, to the amount of, of attrition on the offensive line this year 
a couple more go down in that game on Saturday against Texas A&M. It just continues to add insult to injury. But I'll say this, though. I have been very pleased with the fight of that team. They don't lay down. They, 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 they've got two wins on the, the season. They've dealt with a lot of bad yeah, They luck. still play hard for Shane Beamer. They, and they play look, hard. Full disclosure, Shane's one of our absolute favorites in college football, so we know what he is selling. It's not like they have folded their tents and gone home. They're still playing hard. It's just, like you said, individual matchups, they're losing across the board. Yeah. Yeah, but I do, I do uh, credit. You know, I think if the, there's a silver lining, think of all the young guys that are getting much needed experience this year. You know, you look at Nick mm-hmm. Harbor coming in, and you know they they continue to 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 go down at the receiver position. Um, you know, Marion Brown, Marion Brown wasn't uh, able to play this last week, and and we know that uh, Juice Wells has been out for a long time, so Nick Harbor gets his opportunity and takes advantage of that. Um, you know, Knox goes down and, and Joshua Simon catches a touchdown. So it, uh, it, it is, if there's anything to look on the bright side of it's hey, these guys are getting some experience that's going to help them next year. All right. Before we get to our guest, Tom Hart, who again, you can catch him on ESPN SEC network, Mizzou grad fired up. I'm sure for Missouri and Georgia to see how the Missouri Tigers handle that number 12 ranking. They've got an initial college football playoff ranking going against number two, Georgia. But before we get there, I want to tell you about our friends over at Richards Honda. Go to the website, richardshonda.com. And if you're looking for the minivan, you want to join the minivan gang, they've got the Odyssey van. They've got the Ridgeline truck, multiple midsize SUVs. They've got sedans, hybrids, you name it. They've got it over at Richards Honda, richardshonda.com. All right, as I mentioned, very excited for this week's pregaming the SEC guest. It is someone that you know, you love him, you see him across the SEC on ESPN as well. That is TV's Tom Hart. And yes, he has to put up with Vanderbilt football stories from Jordan every weekend and also the latest Peloton ride from Cole, which might be even you know longer than the Vanderbilt football stories from Jordan. But he's still here and he's made it through. There are no Vanderbilt football stories. <laughs> They're, they're, not, you know, they're, they, they're not good, but they're still stories. You guys don't even have Vanderbilt. You, you guys don't even sit around the campfire with your boys on a fall weekend and go, hey, re- remember that game against Vandy? That was crazy. No, you guys talk about, you know, Doring talks about Kentucky. Yeah. Hester talks about whoever he ran Florida. over back in the day. Florida. Yeah, yeah don't you can yeah. say it. CD's not going to – He's it's okay. He knows. He knows what happened. Dude. You guys uh, are big time though on Saturday night. You have like your own theme song and like introduction. Like I, I was, I, I noticed that finally here recently. That that that's that's pretty cool, man. You know, I feel like you've you've arrived. I appreciate you watching. You know, we're only the longest tenured trio in ESPN College Football currently, but yet you're just noticing our show here. No, year seven. I well, I noticed yeah. the show because we we're doing all the studio support, but this is the first year for the theme song, right? The whole open and like the the montage of video shots of you guys walking around and all. We asked for a montage. We wanted something like very Baywatchy, and they said the only person at the network that's allowed to take off his shirt is Doring. Yeah, I got so that. Yeah. We settled. Yeah, no we doubt. settled for walking on the on the field pregame in our suits. We thought that'd be better yes. for everybody. Hey, please tell me that the one week where Jordan had to go do another game, like as close as y'all are, y'all gave him hell, right? Oh yeah, I actually I just gave him the silent treatment. I didn't <laughs> talk to him for the entire first quarter when he came back. <laughs> It's happening again, though, right? Isn't that this weekend that he's off doing another Yeah, game? he's bailing on us again. Wow. Two times this year? 
Two times. All right. So what does that it do? Might, to it might the not team? be the last one. What does that do to the team? Cole comes up to the booth, and then what happens? Right. And then we, uh, well, he, we get better in both slots, right? Because the booth gets better because Cole comes to the booth, and then we get Alyssa Lang down on the sideline. Oh, so Langer, immediately nice. the sideline position gets improved. So yeah. it's really a win-win. I, the person I feel sorry for when this happens, and it happens because Jesse's off doing the senior bachelor, I don't know, Costa Rica, wherever they end up. I, I feel sorry for Joe Tess because then he has to put up with Jordan and all yeah. of his, you know diva drama that uh, certainly nobody else ever brings to the booth well we we love you bro it's it's <laughs> it's so much fun watching y'all work together and you guys do such a great job but i th- this is not why we had you on what the reason we had you on is we are looking for an opportunity to have an esteemed missouri graduate talk about this season and talk about this upcoming game against georgia and there's nobody that came to y'all mind quicker than y'all you. don't have Ch- yeah y'all don't have chase daniel's number huh <laughs> we, we hey no hey we hey we were going with our friends though like you know you chris budden like we're going with our friends that have got the mizzou ties though you are no, people yeah yeah so I'm you go you. homer i want you to just be as homer uh, as you possibly can be because you don't get to do that much no and and by the way we called this game last year at furrow field where mm. i grew up going to games as a little tyke i mean i remember the First game I went to with my uncle carrying me in over his shoulder so he didn't have to buy me a ticket. And it's the only time, just go and peel back the curtain a little bit, it's the only time as a broadcaster I've ever had to kind of pause mentally and put a filter up and go, hold up, dude. Like, Don't let yourself go down the fan route. (laughs) And the reason that happened is because – you know, Missouri's never beat number one in the AP poll. They've had some other big wins, um, and Oklahoma was number one in the BCS, and they beat them one time. Yeah. But I knew, given the history of the program, I was at the fifth down game, right, where Colorado got a fifth down mm-hmm. in 91 and ended up winning the national championship. I was at the Nebraska kickball game um, when they kicked the Oof. ball in the end zone, ended up winning and went on to win a national championship. Like the story of a Missouri fan is always heartache because they've never made it to that mountaintop in any sport. And as good as the basketball program was for decades under Norm Stewart, never made a final four. So my brain started going there. Like what would this mean for the school and for the town and for the state? And I had this kind of giddiness in the back of my head and I went, dude, you got to just – you got to shut that off and call <laughs> this thing down the middle. And it was – I mean, it was an amazing game. And and it was a it was a huge audience for us, and it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad I was able to recognize that in the moment yeah. and, you know, not go full Mizzou and show off that I had, a you know, a tiger paw painted on my chest that night. <laughs> hey, who was your guy growing up? I mean, you mentioned going to games growing up. I mean, the games that you mentioned, I remember watching those games – on TV. I mean, I was heartbroken for y'all against Nebraska when the ball gets tipped up there, but who was maybe your guy that going to the games growing up, even like maybe at an older age, did you have one yeah. Mizzou player that's your guy? I had so many of them because I grew up in Columbia. It's not just that I yeah. went to school there, but you know, like when you grow up in a college town and literally close enough to, if we weren't at the game, we'd be in the backyard raking the leaves and we could hear the roar of the crowd when something good happened. Um, yeah. If we did go to the game, we walked to the game like that. That's that was my childhood. So, um, I mean, I go 
I go pretty far back. Um, and then as a sports nerd, it wasn't just the guys that I saw or the times I went. It was ingesting all of this local history and knowledge because I wanted to read everything about it. But uh, there's a guy named Phil Bradley, who was a two-sports star. Uh, he led him to a bowl game in, I think, 83. And then he ended up playing in the big leagues with Seattle Mariners, um, yeah. among other teams, for about 10 years. And Phil ended up working for Major League Baseball Players Union. And so when I was working in Major League Baseball, I would see him like four times a year. He'd be in yeah. the clubhouse before a game. And I bothered the hell out of Phil Bradley. <laughs> like I just wanted – and I, he liked it at first, right? He's like, oh, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, man, you're from Columbia, blah, blah, blah. Um, But it didn't take long before he was like <laughs> – He's like, oh, here comes Tom again. Like, we're yeah. like okay, we're going to talk about the the Blue Bonnet Bowl one more time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you any but you name anybody from the roster, uh, and it goes it goes pretty far back. That Chase Daniel team in two thousand seven was one that, and this is why I love college sports, and I think why people gravitate to it is th there are certain teams in your history as uh, as a person growing up. I mean, listen, unless you're an Alabama fan which wins all the time, or you're a powerhouse, yeah. like a Duke basketball, Kentucky basketball fan. Uh, you have teams that come along every once in a while that kind of put your town on the map. So that 2017 with Chase Daniel and, and Jeremy Macklin put Missouri on the map. They made it to number one. Um, but before that, man, there were no football teams that really put – there were individual players. That hey, Brad Smith, came through every once in a while. he had, he had a run Smith for sure. A, yeah, it was amazing. Then he went on to the NFL and – long time in the CFL, but there weren't great teams for a long time, which makes winning at a place like Missouri, I think, so much more appreciated. All right, so uh, Missouri gets bowl eligible in each of, of Coach Drink's uh, seasons there in Como, but never more than six wins. Um, they've got seven wins already here. At what point in time do you let that, part of yours start to believe you, you you talked about the heartbreak that Missouri fans have always experienced. Is there a point where you start to buy into maybe there being some, something other than heartbreak waiting? During Tyus and needed only 4.8 seconds to go 94 feet against Missouri on the way to a national championship for UCLA. And that was in Boise, Idaho and only the second round of the tournament. Like the, our hearts have been ripped out every which way, every arena, every place you can, you can think of. Um, no, I listen, this is the game, right? I mean, this was the game, by the way, the last time they won there in 2013 when Gary Pinkle was really building something. This was the game at Georgia, who were a top 10 team at the time, where even though Missouri was undefeated, I think they were 7-0 and going into that game and off to a great start. They had a big win against an, a, a decent A&M team that had Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. They didn't have that signature win where I think not only did the team really believe, but I think the fan base too. So this is the opportunity for Missouri to go into Georgia, to pull off something that they haven't pulled off, winning against the number one team in the country, which they've never done, mm -hmm. and to do it against the program that is the modern-day equivalent of every great college football powerhouse that we've ever seen, right? From Staben's run to Pete Carroll's to Bud Wilkinson back at Oklahoma. Like, this is the team. They've won – what is it now? 40 of 41 or 41 of 42. That is, that's an yeah. amazing run. So it has to be this moment where if they can pull it off, 
then uh, I don't want to say the bandwagon gets heavy, mm -hmm. but the doubters then start to believe even more and go, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this team. The most impressive thing to me was having that game against LSU and really having multiple moments where it looked like they were going to win that game and then falling short, but coming back the next week and then going on the road and playing like they did, like that's a sign Tom, and you've watched enough football to know that that's a sign that you're growing and you're going in the right direction. And it's not going to be the same old team. And that to me kind of put them in a different tier. They went a tier up that day for me because they were undefeated. Como was fantastic. And, Again, the LSU game, very easily could they have won that game, but they didn't allow that one loss to become two, and that is growth in the program. Yeah, I mean, compared to other teams in the league right now, right? I mean, look what yeah. happened to Kentucky after they lost to Georgia. They, they still haven't won a game, and it, it grows on them. I think uh, you can point to that LSU game. Um, certainly, I go back to the Kansas State game. I thought yeah. – I thought Brady Cook really came of age in that game. I, I'm sure he didn't need it from a confidence standpoint, um, but I think it proved a lot to, to any doubters. Everyone focuses on Mevis hitting the 61-yarder to win it at the buzzer, but Brady Cook threw for 356 that day. He had a really good day, and that was the day that the fans booed him when the introductions were going on. Um, and here's a kid that – Grew up a Mizzou fan, grew up going to the games, grew up, you know, high-fiving players on their way into the stadium. And all he wanted – he had a great quote at, at one point. He said, all I've ever wanted is to be the quarterback at the University of Missouri. I just wish the fans wanted that too. <laughs> Which is like such a powerful oh. – like, dude, this I am working my ass off for this yeah. program right now. And I had a torn rotator cuff last year. No, nobody knew it. So, like, please appreciate the fact how much this means to me. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that's what he has done, what Schrader has done, all of that stuff um, kind of, you know, Bob Knight just passed away today. He was famous for getting his teams to be better than the sum of their parts. He only yeah. – Bob Knight, as good as a coach he was, guys, he only had one NBA All-Star ever. That was Isaiah Thomas. Think about how many games he was – Winning his coach in, yeah. in college basketball history, so I think the team is better than the sum of its parts, and they're going to have to they're going to have to do that against Saturday in terms of not playing mistake free football and take advantage of any mistakes Georgia might make, which we know are few and far between. But to me, Tom, this does feel like the ultimate team because you know the defense uh, was much improved last year in Blake Baker's first season there in, in Como. Um, last year, it felt like it was the Luther Burden show on offense. Everything revolved kind of around him. But now there's there's so much more with this group of receivers that complement him and what Cody Schrader's done on the ground. But I can't say enough about Kirby Moore and maybe more so about Drink and his understanding that he needed to pass the play calling duties on and identifying that Kirby Moore was the right fit and the right guy to take that control. I mean, what what your interaction with Kirby more in, in either a professional way with your production meetings, or you know, if you've gotten to know him otherwise, I mean, what, what's your impression of who this guy is and why he's so successful so far? Yeah, we had their game at Kentucky um, a few weeks ago. He is calm and he is confident. And I think he exudes that confidence into his offensive unit. Um, coaches I talk to all the time, right? Because guys, they end up, one way or another, they end up in our industry. They end up in our business. Yep. You end up sharing a dinner with them or a drink with them or a booth with them, whatever it might be. And the guys who did not have great success say, man, I hired the wrong people. Mm. 
And it's not that they don't take ownership of their own mistake, but that's the biggest mistake I made. I, I hired the wrong guy here, the wrong person there. Um, and so for drink, I think that was a, that was a huge hire. I want to, I want to touch on burden for just a second. I honestly thought that they were over targeting him early in the season. Uh, I, I don't think they're a team that can beat Georgia by only going to Luther burden. And right. there were times in the Kansas state game, it, it seemed evident, especially the second half, they were just trying to force feed him. And I said, anybody I was watching the game with and my buddies on the text said, like, they've got to get other people involved. Uh, and he's done a magnificent job of that. And the running game has alleviated, I think, a lot of that pressure. Burden's in a place now where when he's playing in the slot, he has turned into a catch-and-run guy and a yards-after-catch guy. The, as good as Dominic Lovett has, was for them, they didn't have that with him in the slot and Burden on the perimeter last year. So I think that's a key. Um, here's my favorite nugget about Missouri football when they go into a game like Georgia, right? Do you guys know, and I don't have the answer to this, but how many five stars does Georgia have on their roster? Oh, God. I mean, they've got a lot. 30? Yeah, I, I would think, yes. I mean, that number's not crazy when you throw it out there, for sure. Yeah. Do you know how many consensus five-star recruits Missouri has, has had in the history of the program? <laughs> Three. Three. Luther yeah. Burden is one of them. Doriel Green Beckham was there in the – early 2010s and uh Blaine Gabbert his quarterback that by the way was the last Missouri quarterback to win on the road at Georgia so when you think about it in that regard yeah like they've got to play perfect football to knock off a team as talented as Georgia yeah hey but by the way you've got one coming as well we all saw the video of drink leaping into his assistant's arms which I would have as well you got the number two <laughs> player in the country committed to you so I mean they're coming if that helps other oh, but but you it's almost like um, moving into a neighborhood where everybody has a million dollar home and you buy the $400,000 house and add on and add on yeah. what you're doing. You're just, you just finally got to the value of everybody else and you're still playing catch up. And by the right. way, they put in a new pool and they redid their <laughs> game room and they have a movie theater and you're like, dang it. Yeah. I got a broken down golden tea machine. Like that. They, they got a freaking golf simulator. <laughs> like you got to keep, they got to keep adding on. It's a challenge in this. Yeah. But isn't that where everybody is with, as it relates to Georgia? Because I just saw my alma mater try to look like they were closing the gap and then proven that that was not the case. Yeah, I, I don't. I was blown away how good the Georgia offense looked against Florida. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a Heisman voter. I had people telling me you can't put a tight end number one on your list. And for half the season, I was like, forget it. Brock Bowers is the most valuable player in college football, and he plays for the number one team in the country. He's number one on my list. Then he goes down, and you wonder, how are they going to score any points? And I feel like, guys, it freed everybody else up. Like, it freed up that entire offense. It's like when you have a dominant, a ball-dominant player in basketball, yes, he's awesome at the end of the clock when you have somebody you have to go to. And we saw what Bowers did against Auburn. But what else happens? You got four other dudes on the basketball court who just stand and watch that guy work and how invested and involved is everybody else. I thought that offense was yeah. fully invested uh, in Jacksonville. All right, so I've got to ask you, you're going to be in Starkville, Mississippi this weekend. The Mizzou-Georgia game, though, is going to be before your game. Now, you're a pro. You've got responsibilities. I know you're going to handle those responsibilities, but – in Starkville, don't know how many places there's going to be to watch the game. How are you taking in the oh. Mizzou-Georgia game? 
I don't know if you know this. There's this establishment that I've become very fond of. I'm waiting for my sponsorship deal, and it's coming because I I texted the owner once, and you can help me out with this. There's a place called how do you pronounce it? It's a bistro. It's called Walk Ons. Walk Walk Ons. There's a Walk Ons. Yeah, and it's right outside of our hotel. And then the nice. rest of it, uh, as great as the apps have been, I'll be watching the rest of it on my phone. Um, by the way, that 2013 game, the last time Missouri won, and that was on their way to the SEC championship, they got a scoop and score from Michael Sam. They had yeah. a wide receiver pass. They they had to go deep into the playbook to make get some breaks and make their own breaks. Um, they're going to have to do that, obviously, against Georgia. And And – I know drink is going to empty the kitchen sink. So yeah. um, for them to have a chance, that's what they're going to have to pull out. It's uh, I want to get your impression real quick because it, the weekend shapes up that it has the potential to just be chaotic in the, I love SEC. the chaos. Yeah. Don't yeah. you, I mean, it, it, but at the end of the day, do you think it ends up being Alabama and Georgia in Atlanta in the first weekend of December, or do we have some sort of uh, variation based upon what could happen here this weekend? Well, I think Ole Miss is playing great football right now. However, the the odds of them getting back there or getting to Atlanta are slim. I think they have a 3% chance right now. Um, you have to go down to the – there's a three-way tie. You go to the seventh tiebreaker, and that seventh tiebreaker is your record against the crossover opponents. Uh, is their – sorry, the crossover yeah. opponents record, right? And Ole Miss has Vandy on there. So that's going to probably drag them down. Um, no, I think we have the potential for chaos. I mean, I, I, I mentioned my, you know, my Heisman vote, um, Jaden Daniels is, is on that list. That dude, by the way, he takes more shots straight on shots than Jacob Hester <laughs> yeah. did. Like no doubt without question. <laughs> and I asked him, I was like, bro, what do you teach? Cause he learned from good running quarterbacks. He's a great running quarterback. I go, what? What do you say to kids who say, man, I want to run like you be like, he says, I tell them, don't watch me. Like, don't <laughs> do it like this. Oh. Um, he needs to go see Jay Johnson over at Alec box and teach him, and you know, slide. maybe a couple of slide techniques because he's tough as hell, but man, he takes some shots. But he said it was interesting. He's like, he feels like it's more dangerous as a player. If you take it now, Bryce Young was the best at avoiding big hits, right? I yeah. mean, he was, his great shoulders, great hips in the pocket, especially. But he's like, I feel like it's more dangerous if you try to avoid a hit and you get hit on the side or you get hit somewhere else. And I'm like, all right, man, like this is straight like Christian Okoye stuff that you're doing out there. I say go for it. But no, uh, I, I, what are the odds during that we see chaos this weekend? I think the odds of Missouri beating Georgia um, – a on the road is slim. B after putting a scare into them last year, where Kirby will have their undivided attention, yeah. he's even more slim. And and I think each and every week we're learning more and more that Kirby is an elite motivator. Yep. In addition to being an elite recruiter, and he's got an incredible staff, and nothing gets by him. So they're yeah. going to be uh, fully prepared. Uh, LSU winning would be no surprise to me. All right, Tom, uh, I said I was going to keep you 10 to 15 minutes, and it's been 23 minutes, so we're, uh, we're keeping our word here. Hey, you can't real be quick, trusted. I don't want to let you go. <laughs> do you, is football your favorite thing to call? You do basketball. You're going to be double duty here already. You're already yeah, doing that. Baseball, too, now. 
Oh, I mean, what what what's your favorite sport to call? Yeah, I got uh, the college basketball opens Monday. I'll be at Rupp Arena Monday night, which would be awesome. Like, the, yeah. there, there's nothing like being at a college basketball arena. But football is different, boys, and you get this because it is a week-long buildup. Now, sometimes that doesn't work out because you get a dud game or, you know, something happens. But the week-long buildup and the amount of prep that you're allowed to do not that you have to do, but that you're allowed to do because you have yeah. time to do it and dive into it and all the storylines that go on throughout the country. And it's, it's tough to beat. I, I don't know that I would have said football back when I was doing Conference USA games, right? Like at noon that nobody knew existed. Mm -hmm. But in the here and now, yeah, it's football. All right, there is our guy, Tom Hart. He's going to be on the call, Kentucky at Mississippi State. But he's going to be eye hustling that Mizzou and Georgia game like the rest of us. Tommy, we appreciate the time as always, brother. All right, fellas. Be good. Thanks for having Thanks, me. All right. You as well. All right. That was TV's Tom Hart. Good enough to join us. Does a fantastic job, man. They've got a great crew. Him, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kublik, one of the best. And like you mentioned, the longest tenured group out there. And you can tell they have a lot of fun and really enjoy being with each other, man. It's a great booth and looking forward to that call this weekend and many more to come in the future. All right, we have reached that point in pre-gaming the SEC where we're going to pre-game the SEC. You probably guessed it by now. So to do that, we welcome in our producer, Big Turp. Big Turp, what we got? We got a few games. Uh, we won't hit on some of these. We won't spend too much time. Or Hey, I was going to go all in on UConn and Tennessee, but it's going to be more like a Geno when he used to go against Pat Summit breakdown. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if you know if that's that, that sure. game, if you're going to watch UConn, Tennessee, you might as well throw on one of those classics and just. By watch the way, them. yeah. Did you see the uniforms that the uh, Vols will be wearing in honor of Pat Summit? Oh, I did. Fantastic. Yeah, yes, I did sweet. see those. Little baby blue. I yeah, like Pat. It. Man, Pat Summit, real quick, like 15 seconds here. Had a chance to meet her one time in my life, and like in a 30 second meeting like left a memory with me that will last forever. She, I mean, she mentioned grit like twice and you know me, like I yeah. was like, Oh, be still my heart. You're just lit up. huh? Yes. <laughs> just lit up. That's awesome. Yeah. Pat Summit would have been a fullback. No question. No question. about um, it. Why don't we start with A&M Ole Miss? I'm not sure if you guys have seen this yet. The spread. What would you guess that number is that? Probably well, seven, maybe um, in Oxford. Ole Miss seven. All right, so if I know Doring, he's got a pretty good idea of where this number's at. I'm going to guess, though, five and a half in favor of Ole Miss because it is in Oxford. Ole Miss three. Wow. Oh, so basically a pick them. Yeah, yeah, so they, they get the three points for home field advantage, but like you said, wow. Vegas is saying pick them. What do you think about that? It's a fishy line, which leads yeah. you to believe that there's something that Vegas knows that we don't know, and uh, maybe that has to do with uh, the front seven, maybe it has to do with the, the offensive line. I, I felt like the offensive line and the run game has been more of the focal point of the offense for Ole Miss over the last month. Uh, Quinchaw Judkins seems to be hitting his stride, but maybe the matchup with that front seven is not something that the experts are ex expecting to be favorable for Ole Miss. This is – it's interesting because of – hmm the game being in Oxford and you, you know, you get the three points there and that being it because Ole Miss is a team that is just played so well this year outside of the one time against Alabama. I mean, you think about some of the, the plays and the games that they've had now we'll say that to say 
Texas A&M, there's ebbs and flows, right? I mean, certainly they, there's been times where they kind of disappear. But when they play well, CD, I mean, they're a team that absolutely can go in to Vault Hemingway and give Ole Miss all they want. Yeah, I, I just I look at the offense and I'm still a little underwhelmed with what they're doing. You remember all we talked about before they got into the conference schedule was this great group of wide receivers and how impactful yep. they were going to be this year. And they basically seem to have disappeared outside of Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart. You're not getting a whole lot of consistent production from anybody else. I also don't love the, the some of the route concepts and the calls. Like, you know, South Carolina's playing a lot of man against them and they're running, you know, stop routes and instead of getting those yeah. guys on the move and breaking away and having some some picks and things. It, it was it to me, it seemed like it was very limiting. And the ball just comes out so slow with Max Johnson at the quarterback spot. You know, maybe it's a different story with Connor Wegman. I'm not bagging on Max because I think he's done an admirable job, but I do think that the offense looks a little choppy when you watch it right now yeah i would agree with that and and max i think max is really good in the pocket i do but sometimes i think he tries to be perfect in the pocket and find just the right space to be able to get the ball out and sometimes when he does that that's when he takes a long time and he does have a windy wind up kind of to when he's going down the field anything that's above that intermediate range and that's some of the things that got him in trouble even in that south carolina game i do think he's filled out admirably like you said i think there's things that you can like about max johnson but you have to ask yourself do you see max johnson going and making a play to win this game is he capable of it i think he is like i, I have seen him take a subpar lsu team into tuscaloosa and throw the ball in the end zone with a chance to win the game so he's capable of making those plays but i do agree they got to get on the same page with what he does really well to what the offense is being called dude i, I as you're talking about him at LSU, all I can go back to is that game in the swamp, the shoe toss game. I mean, he was the starting quarterback for the LSU Tigers that came yeah. in and and was a three touchdown underdog and won that game. Yeah. Although in, in Marco Wilson had the best throw of the game, Max did play uh, well. Yeah, funny, funny jokes, man. Uh, but yeah, I I, I um I do think that uh, something is a little fishy there with the line, and and that makes me worry for uh, the old Miss Rebels. And I think you know uh, how much attention are you giving what's happening in Tuscaloosa as well? So much talk about what can happen if LSU is able to win yeah. that ball game. I'm interested, you know, what the, what the distraction, if at all that, right. that game is. Yeah. And you're saying from Ole Miss, right. Kind of eye hustle in that game, checking yeah. that game out to see what happens there. I, I think they also realize they still have Georgia, so it's not just guaranteed, but, if you're going to worry one way, I think it would be worry and the fact that you're looking at Georgia and you're also looking maybe at the LSU-Bama game. Because if you do that, we all know Texas A&M, at least I believe so, they they have the ability to beat you. Yeah. Now, this is not an elite Texas A&M team by any means, but when you look at you know what they can do and when they play well, they don't even have to play perfect. If they play well, they can go in there. They play a style that's a little bit different with the way they like to run the football and the way they play defense. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Would you be shocked if AM won this game? No, not at all. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, I think one of the, the the big things that I come down to, to watching this week is that Texas A&M offensive line. Max Johnson has gotten drilled the last yeah. couple of weeks, whether you know it was Tennessee's defense doing it to him or it was last week, South Carolina, three sacks on the very first drive of the ball game. I don't know. You know, I, I thought that the offensive line for Texas A&M had improved this year, but I'm not so sure about that. 
it'll be interesting to see if that land shark defense for Ole Miss can get after him because they, they've been much improved on that side of the ball. And really the, the improvement has been on the defensive line and, and specifically in the interior of the defensive yeah. line. So I, I think that's a, an intriguing matchup within the matchup for me. Yeah, and you're right. Last point on this one. It doesn't have the marquee billing. It's not in bright lights blinking at you because Mizzou, Georgia, LSU, Alabama has that. But this one is going to be very important to the race, certainly in the SEC West, and who ends up in Atlanta. Because if you look ahead, again, that's where you get into trouble. And this feels like a, a worrisome spot if I'm a, a Ole Miss Rebel fan because of what you have coming in the future. But you got to be in the present for this one because it does have a feel like Vegas, like something that we don't maybe know about Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. What else we got, Big Turp? All right. Uh, we said we're not going to spend – Anytime, really, on UConn, Tennessee, but just a quick UConn, no yo foe. Uh, UConn, hey, UConn's gonna fight like hell. I promise you that with Jim Moore Jr. They will fight. They are one in seven, and I was just gonna battle off the teams they'd lost to. Um, NC State, Georgia State, FIU, Duke, forty-one-seven, Utah State, South Florida, Boston College, and the one win was at Rice. So. We'll see. 35 and a half point spread there. Yeah. Look, I said they'll fight. I didn't say they'd fight and, you know, play good football behind it, but they will fight. Those are some, you know, some of those games, close games, but yeah, we're not going to spend a lot of time. Look, Tennessee, uh, go out there, take care of business, run the football like you've been doing it. Get Joe Milton a couple of throws where he can get some confidence and then move on to the next. I week. thought, I thought his, his, uh, Stat line was perfect, right? What was he, 18 of 21? I think that's exactly what you want him throwing yeah. the football, leaning on the run game, throwing the ball, you know, in, in that uh, 20 to, you know, at the most 25-time range and, uh, and and hitting some of those passes that they haven't been hitting earlier in the season. It was nice to see the receivers catching the ball a little more cleanly and that the uh, the delivery of the the passes was on time and on target a little bit more. All right, we're still in that 12 o'clock window, and we have Arkansas at Florida. Florida obviously coming off that loss to Georgia. Arkansas is coming in with six straight losses, and we've seen the coaching staff shake up. So they have lost six in a row to BYU, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State. And we said before that stretch it was going to be tough. I don't think any of us pictured 0-6 tough. Um, But now you got Georgia. I'm sorry, you got Florida, Auburn, FIU, Missouri to close out. And then uh, Florida has Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, Florida State to close out. So this is a huge one for the for both teams, but especially uh, Florida since they still got the yeah. light. I, I'll take it first because I know you probably have a lot to add to Florida here, CD. Florida, just go out there and take care of business. You're the better team. You're going to be at home. How do you get that bad taste out of your mouth from a week ago? You go dominate a bad Arkansas team, and Florida has that ability. And you have to because you have to create momentum heading down to take on LSU and Death Valley. You have no choice. You're the better team. You have advantages in this game. I think Billy Napier does a really good job of making each game its own game and not looking forward, not looking back. This game is this game, and it's against a bad Arkansas team right now. And you can say, well, they're going to get an interim OC bump. Well, that's great. Because we have advantages in this game across the board. Just go win it. To me, it's like Billy does a really nice job of doing that, and I expect the same thing this week. Yeah, I think it's easier said than done in this case because of of two factors. One, 
you know, coming off that loss to to Georgia, maybe where you got exposed, maybe where you had some hopes of, you know, being able to pull off the upset and having those hopes dash pretty quickly in that ball game. Um, it's a disappointing one to get over. It's a physical one to get over. Yeah. But two, you're playing against an Arkansas team, as you mentioned, that's had six straight losses, that has nothing to lose, that is up, their backs are against the wall, they're coming in with not a real expectation for winning the game from a lot of people, um, and you don't know exactly what that offense is going to look like. I know they're not going to install a whole new offense, but whoever, you know, it, it, you have a new play caller, and you have yeah. the idea of how you might want to utilize K.J. Jefferson maybe a little bit better. So I, I do think this is an incredibly dangerous game. And if we're talking point spreads, Big Turp, I think this one, Florida's only favored by five and a half or six, which is a little surprising to me as well. Yeah, I'm seeing six right now. You, you like Florida, Hess? Yeah, it's six. I do. I, I thought you were going to tell me it was like nine and a half. I'm yeah, be honest surprising with you. So that it was lower. Six, than it was. six looks very intriguing for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess some of that's because of the – unknown of what the offense is going to look like and we just you know when we were talking with tom he mentioned the last time that mizzou beat georgia and athens they went deep in their bag of tricks you have a likelihood of that happening as well for arkansas next up um yeah i just want to get a few quick thoughts on this one auburn at vandy i'm gonna have you guys guess the spread again under (laughs) i don't know what it is but take the under Um, what's the lowest number you'd be comfortable with ripping uh, 40. I was gonna half. say it's 42, probably. It's 49 and a half. Wow, Ooh, okay. So, you might hey, newly leader. discovered passing offense, Peyton Thorne chucking the ball down the field. I thought they did a nice job of, of being a little bit more aggressive. Who they, they play last week, CD? Uh, Mississippi State, exactly. You're putting that. I mean, forget the success of it, the play calling. Okay, the, that's the, fair. The handling of the quarterback position, it wasn't Ashford and Thorne back and forth, it was all yeah. Thorne wire to wire. They took shots early on. They showed that they're willing to take some shots. They put trust in their passing game, which I think that they didn't have a lot of before. And I think that they were rewarded with the way that they put that trust in Peyton Thorne and that group of receivers to make plays. Yeah, when you watch Auburn, they're not that far away from being in the conversation. Now, that doesn't mean being close to winning a championship, but they're not far away from being in those games and you having faith that Auburn's going to not only be there against the LSUs and the Ole Misses and all these teams, but they'll start to win some of those games. Now, I can't say the same thing for the team they played in Mississippi State. Mississippi State is 1-4 and in conference play right now. I expected way more from the Bulldogs, but I do like how you pointed out it wasn't necessarily the success. It was the actual design of the play i like going one quarterback because you've tried two quarterbacks already this season and seven games you tried it it wasn't working let's try something different they did that in that game and this auburn team look i still i've said it all season i feel like they have one big upset in them i don't know if it if it happens but i feel like they do if they put it all together and that's a step in the right direction so what do you think that number is auburn is favored by i think auburn is favored by Ten and a half. I was going to say 13 and a half. 12 and a half. Right on it. Okay. All right. How about little Kentucky, Mississippi State, 730 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network. This one is in Starkville. What do you think the spread is here? In Starkville, Mississippi State just reeling, but Kentucky hasn't won since Georgia. I'm going to go 10 and a half again. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's uh, less than that. I'm gonna say seven. Kentucky three and a half. Wow. Three and a half. Three and a half. 
All right, that's a surprise. And that is, um, mark that, three and a half at what it's at <laughs> right now. Go ahead and mark that. That's hard to believe. And I know Kentucky has been losing games, but let's not act like they've been totally just struggling. I mean, that game last week, that was maybe the best we've seen Devin Leary. They're not far away either. It's still not a bad football team. They're still five and three. They've still got wins left on their schedule. I would be surprised if they don't go into Starkville and really put their best foot forward. I think you're going to see a great offensive game plan, one we've been waiting for from Kentucky for a long time, this entire season, really. It was a lot of fun watching that passing game come together last week. and yeah. It was a, a shame that they couldn't have been more successful defensively. Uh, really, the cornerstone of that that Kentucky program has been the defense under Mark Stoops yeah. and, and at the direction of Brad White. And to see them, the last three ball games give up 51, 38, and 33 is troubling. Or like right when you figure out, you know, how to make the the, the passing game go, you're not able to run the football and your defense lets you down. So I, I yep. make this analogy. I feel like the little Dutch boy is sticking his finger in all these little <laughs> the little leaks in the dike and the you can't yeah. you can't necessarily plug them all up. Do you expect them to have more of the same success for Kentucky in Starfield, knowing well, how much that defense has struggled and seeing teams like Auburn and others have success? Yeah, you made a you made a joke about you know, the, the Mississippi State defense, but it's a it's a deserved joke. And it, that that may be one of the biggest surprises of the season, given the fact that they had so much production returning outside of Emmanuel yeah. Forbes moving on. Like, given like the, fact the, that, the most veteran production, yeah. like not just like guys that have played, but guys that have been like lifers there. Yeah, the um the 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 fact that you know the the architect of that defense the last few years is now the head coach you felt like you know this was going to be a, a a no brainer that the defensive side would would show up and you just wondered what Car- Kevin Barbe's offense would look like but you know the the the, the disappointing nature of that defense defense has been really uh, one of the the big head scratchers for me this season for sure all right big turp what we got next. All right, we got the two big ones. We got Missouri, Georgia, and LSU, Alabama. We'll go Missouri, Georgia first. Yeah. That one comes first in the day, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Georgia currently favored by 15 and a half. So just last week, we saw 14 mm. and a half. We took it, and we got hammered. What are you thinking we here? We did. We did. Um, gosh, this one's so hard because what happened last week is so fresh in my memory. But I also want to say I respect the hell out of Mizzou and who they are this year. I think with Kirby Moore and Blake Baker, they've got two of the best young coordinators in all of football. I think on the offensive side of the football, they've got quarterback, running back, receivers, definitely plural. They've got the weapons to be able to score, I think, against anybody in the country. Is it going to be a challenge? You bet your ass it's going to be a challenge. Going into that place, playing against that team, and with that head coach leading them, without question. Am I calling for them to win the game? I am not. Are they going to be successful at times in this game? I think they absolutely will be. I think when you look at last year's matchup, that was not a fluke. I think Missouri last year started the process of building to what they have this year, and there's going to be moments in this game where they're the winner individual moments and moments within a series on offense or defense. It's not going to be enough, in my opinion, to win the game. But you tell me 15 and a half points with Cook and and, and Luther Burden and Schrader running. I mean, 
CD, like talk me out of it. That's an offense that I feel oh. like can score and keep them in every single game. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. Georgia proved that when they flex their muscles, they're still Georgia. But this Mizzou team has a lot to love about it. I am with you. Um, but at the same time, I feel like we've we've been shown what happens when teams think that they can compete with Georgia. They do flex that muscle. And Kentucky, I think, was a 16-point underdog when they went there earlier in yep. the season, got exposed. Florida was a 14-and-a-half-point underdog, got exposed. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that are thinking that Missouri is going to go through that same exposure um, situation. I, I think you mentioned last year, what a great confidence builder to throw in the tape and say, this is what we did to the national champion. We played them better yeah. than anybody else outside of Ohio State all season long last year. We had a physical team that could match up with what they tried to do. And this year we're better on offense. We have more weapons. We have more experience. We have a more dynamic um, scheme. And I, I think all of those things should give them confidence. But as we talked about earlier, when when somebody gets Kentucky or somebody when somebody gets Georgia's attention, they mm -hmm. come out with a really focused <laughs> effort. And I expect them to have that same effort on Saturday against the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, they're going to be successful as well. I mean, they've got too many Jimmys and Joes not to be. But when you look at Brady Cook, third passer right now, only behind Jaden Daniels and Carson Beck. So third leading passer in the SEC. We mentioned Cody Schrader. He is the second leading back in the SEC, only behind Ray Davis. And then Luther Burden is only behind Malik Neighbors as the second leading receiver in the SEC, one of the top receivers in the country. So this is not just a nice story, but I mean, they, they've got, you know, tops in the SEC and in interceptions as far. I mean, they got individual players. I mean, I'm just going through the list and I see Mizzou all over this list. So this is not a fluke that they're in this game. This is not a fluke that they're number 12 in the initial CFP ranking. So I just want to get that out there because this team has the ability to go out there and make this game interesting. So again, do I think Georgia's going to win? I do. But I think Missouri is going to put up a four-quarter fight, and it's going to be a game where Georgia has to make plays down the stretch to win and pull away. All That's right. it, right, Big Turk? We don't have another game, right? <laughs> no, that's it. That is it. How you feeling about this one, Has We got LSU, Alabama, 745 yep. on CBS. And right now on Wednesday night, three-point favorite in favor of Alabama. Yeah, so basically another pick em situation. Um, this is look, it's an interesting game every single year. And CD knows the stat I'm about to throw out there. You you don't beat Alabama in back to back years very often, and certainly you don't do it with the same quarterback. The last starting quarterback to do this against a Nick Saban team, go for a second win in a row, was Drew Brees when he was at Purdue and Nick Saban was at Michigan State. It has been that long since the starting quarterback in back-to-back -back years has beaten a Nick Saban-led team. Now, Jordan Jefferson did it one year, but he did not start the second game in that he came in in relief of Jarrett Lee. But we throw that stat out there because oftentimes when you have success against a Nick Saban-led team, the next time you face them, they're ready for you. Now, with that being said, I don't know that any defense can necessarily get ready for this LSU offense. You can have moments. I don't see this LSU offense playing where they're at with the weapons that they have. Malik Neighbors, the leading receiver in the country. Brian Thomas Jr., the leading touchdown getter in the country. Logan Diggs is the top five rusher in the SEC now. Right, He's been certainly a piece of the puzzle. I think the best offensive line in the totality of it in the SEC if you win this game, it's got to be because you've lived up to what you've done all season long. 
If this game is played in a phone booth and it turns into what Alabama wants to do, you're losing, and you're going to lose it every time. You want this. I can't believe I'm saying this for an LSU-Alabama game. You want this to be a track meet Mm -hmm. because that bodes well for you. And CD, you can go check the tape. We said this. I felt like Alabama was a better matchup for LSU than Ole Miss before LSU and Ole Miss played each other. Because what can Ole Miss do? You want to go track meet? Let's do it. Right. Yeah. And there was moments LSU could have won that game, but Ole Miss went and made the plays, right? That lit that plays into what Ole Miss was. And you always knew that like whoever got the ball last feels like they're gonna win it, that type of game. Well, this matchup's different. Not to say Alabama offensively doesn't have Jimmy's and Joe's and, and Milro. I love his story. I love the way he's playing. He's living in chaos around him and he still makes plays. They've had receivers step up. But I think if LSU wants to be successful and win this game. They want to make it that track me because this offense, they've shown that they can score on anybody, and it's the best path for success maybe for LSU. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great point, and I think there's so many cool matchups within the matchup, but I don't think there's a bigger, more important position group than the uh, 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 Alabama front seven. Alabama yeah. defensively, that front seven has got to create some pass rush on Jade Daniels. It has to rush with integrity and keep him yep. corralled so he doesn't uh, get outside. And it has to to limit the scoring of that that offense because it is not one that favors Alabama if you do get into a high scoring shootout. I just I don't trust Jalen Milrow to be able to match score for score with what I expect Jaden Daniels to be able to do. So you have to you have to be able to 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 force some some in, empty service uh, points, you know, so to speak, in the tennis analogy. You have to force, um, you know, maybe some field goals. You have to, to to get a couple takeaways. But if you get into the upper 30s and low 40s, that's a game that that favors LSU. And I, I don't think Alabama can win that game like that. But if you can keep that in the high 20s or low 30s, I think that's one that Alabama could win. And a lot of that depends on the front seven for the Tide. I fully expect this to be a 60-minute four-quarter uh, play with a minute and a half left for either team down to the wire type game. I really, I don't expect anything else from this game. I don't think either team gets out to a big lead. And if they, for some reason did, I feel like the other team's going to come right back. I don't know how you feel about this game, but that's what I'm envisioning. I, I'm thinking, I mean, if we're putting a score 38, 35, and maybe it's a field goal at the end. I don't know for which team right now I am not here. Like on a Wednesday night, I'm not ready to make that declaration. But one, I think it's going to be that game. And after last year, I kind of want it to be that game. Like yeah. when Alabama LSU lives up to the hype, it's the best game of the year, right? Yeah. For a lot of people. It's funny too. You said it. We're sitting here Wednesday, not ready to make a pick on it. We've been thinking about it for the last two weeks with both teams being <laughs> on the bye. Like nothing's changed. What's right. different? But yet neither of us can pull the trigger. And that just speaks to how close we yep. expect this ball game to be. Yeah, man, it, it's one, again, that a lot of people look forward to really, I mean, for all uh, of the preseason leading into it and certainly once the season starts. And it's been a game that if you win this one, you've got a real good shot at ending up in Atlanta representing the SEC. And we've seen that so many times in this series. And uh, just one of the many games we have here in the SEC is we pre-gamed the SEC there. You can tell Ole Miss and A&M. Certainly implications, Missouri and Georgia, LSU taking on Alabama. I mean, we are going to find out. And still, like if Tennessee wants to have an opportunity, like and still maybe, you know, 
chaos can happen around them and and i don't know what that chaos would look like it'd take a lot but like they still have something certainly that they're playing for and this is one of those weekends that we are going to find out so much and we'll start to see that separation cd yeah i can't wait to uh kind of see the 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 picture come into focus a little bit more um you know we say it all the time but can't believe how how fast the season's flown by we're in november and the november games are the ones that matter the most those are the ones you're going to remember both from the team success and the Heisman Trophy success. And, and yeah. Jay Daniels is the guy we've talked about yeah. uh, being deserved of, of being in that conversation. This is an opportunity for him on Saturday night to have that Heisman moment you need yep. to be able to capture that trophy. I am lucky enough to be a Heisman Trophy voter. And what do you need? You need that moment. Where can you get that moment in college football over the last two decades in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? So he's going to have the platform and we'll see if Jaden Daniels is able to get that done. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of pre-gaming the SEC. Uh, you know, we don't need to recap best bets. We'll put our best bets out there on Friday <laughs> Friday night. I think we both won one game, Big Terp. Is, is that what, what the situation was? Yeah. So, we'll hey, look, we'll get back to our winning ways. A couple of weeks ago, we won five games, uh, you know, between us. And so we'll get back to those winning ways. Hopefully, we'll let CD now go to sleep. He's been talking to touchdown clubs. He's done 17 shows with me today, CD. You're the man. This is a great weekend to watch SEC football, and we'll come back and cover it from every angle next week, week 11 of pre-gaming the SEC. Enjoy the rest of your evening.